All right, if you have your Bibles, wave them at me if you've got an old school. Shine it at me if you've got new school. Just wave at me if you don't have anything. We'll put it on the screen for you. Perfect. Excellent. All right. Uh, I've got a couple of scriptures here. Some of the team will have, some of the team won't, but that's all right. Because, um, sorry, media team. All right, here we go. Uh, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 4 verse 12, sorry, it says this, For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. It is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. First, uh, John chapter 1 verses 1 to 5 says this, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Isaiah 55, 8 to 11 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from the heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And then a couple of extra ones. Second Timothy chapter 3, 16 to 17 says this, All scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, and then last scripture, here we go. John chapter 6, verse 63 says this, The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh does not help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Let's pray. The title of my message tonight is, This One Thing Will Change Your Life. And if that's not clickbaity, I don't know what is. All right? But let's pray. Father God, I thank you for tonight. God, it's your word that we gather around. It's your word that we stand upon and it's your word that we want to unpack tonight and it's your word that's going to set us free. It's your word that makes a difference and it's your word that transforms. It's your word, God, through which we read that we get to understand and know who you are. We thank you for all these things in your mighty name and more than anything else in today's society, in today's culture. We thank you for your word which is steadfast, immovable, unchanging and rock solid for us to grasp and anchor our lives to. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Um, we're in this theme, Elephant in the Room, and if you haven't been here, you're here for the first time. What we're really doing is just unpacking the things that we don't really talk about, uh, or sometimes don't get the opportunity to talk about. Sometimes these messages have been um, on the taboo subjects of culture, you know, whether it's uh, to vax or not to vax, abortion, euthanasia, um, sexual immorality, pornography, we've gone there um, already and there's still a couple more weeks to go. And so I encourage you, if you hadn't planned it, make sure you don't miss a Sunday till the end of October. Probably don't miss a Sunday for the rest of the year, to be honest. Um, but I, I wanted to take a moment tonight. Um, I remember a situation, and I'll get to what I'm talking about in a second, but this story kind of sets it up. I, I remember a situation a couple of years back where I was no longer working for the church and w I was working in a, uh, in a job um, in Stone's Corner. And all of a sudden, I'd gone from being a pastor full-time, um, I'm no longer working full-time in the church, but I'm still involved with church. 
Um, and I'm, I'm faced with working with um, non-believers on a regular basis, which is great because there's nothing like working out there amongst um, the people that are the mission field to keep you sharp and on edge, okay, in regards to your faith. And what I was immediately confronted with going from a ministry environment where, or I should say a church environment, um, where I was, you know, surrounded by Christians all the time, we're talking church stuff all the time, we're talking Christian all the time. Um, it's, it's like Chinese, but different. Um, it's like Christianese. And so, we, you know, you just talk this church language, you know. Uh, and all of a sudden, you're out of that, and you're in, in another work environment where no one talks like that at all, <laughs> ever. <laughs> and so I'm like, all of a sudden, confronted with, chatting with people about my faith, because I'm not backwards and coming forwards. If you've known me for two seconds, you know that. Um, I'm, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, church-going Christian, okay? That's who I am. Hi, I'm Dan. Um, that's, you know, basic introduction for me. Um, and so, all of a sudden, people are asking me questions about what I do on the weekend, or what I believe, or what's going on around the world, and how my faith interprets that, and I've got to give answers. Like, intelligent answers not just like christianese she'll be right god loves you have a good day you know like that's not good enough okay uh so i need to like come up with these intelligent responses and i need to give a a a witness for what i believe and why i believe it and it's in moments like that when you realize do i believe this like is this is this legit Or is this just a great story that I tell my kids as they go to bed at night? Or is this just great stories that I was told as a kid growing up and now it's like pedal to the metal, rubber hits the road. Is this legit? And so tonight, what I want to unpack for us is the elephant in the room is can we trust the word of God? Like it's great to attend on Sundays and get a motivational speak kind of moment. You know, I've, I've... spoken to people in our congregation who don't know Jesus, they visited for the first time, and they sometimes they attend on, a, on the basis or on the belief of, I just need to get pepped up for the week, and if I just ignore the God stuff, literally their words, if I just take the God stuff out, this is a great motivational speech. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. time out. That's not what we're doing here. Yeah. That's not what this is about. This is about unpacking this to know him, yeah. to take him out into the world. And so can we trust what this says? Is this authoritative in our lives? Is this the the word of God himself given to mankind? Or is this just another story that we have on our bookshelf? Or if you're like me, 10 of these probably on your bookshelf. The truth is we are all theologians. The question is whether what we believe is true. We're all theologians. We all have a, a belief system, a, an ideology, a, a, a framework, a narrative in our minds and in the way we've grown up that, that dictates and orientates for us how we interpret the world around us. And the question is whether that's true or not. Some of it will be and others of us it won't be. But if we believe this to be the authoritative word of God and our lives are built upon it, then it's legit. Then it's real and then it's rock solid. I want to just put some terms and definitions for you. If at any point tonight I say scriptures, Bible, word of God, laws, commandments, any of those, they all mean the same thing, okay? What I'm referring to is this in totality, the Bible, okay, God, scripture, all of it, okay? It is, listen to this, the written and recorded revelation of God given to humanity. It's a really key point right there because 
it's not what man has made up about God. It's actually what God's revealed about himself. And we'll unpack that a little bit further. Okay? This is what God has said to us. God is the author through the hands, minds, and mouths of chosen human contributors who acted under the direct influence of the Holy Spirit. This revelation was birthed in the Spirit, made known by the Spirit, and is preserved by the Spirit until such a time as all of it comes to fulfillment. Okay? This is what we believe. In uh, 2007, I was in grade 12. Anybody else around that time? No? <laughs> Someone's like, I wasn't even in school. Anyway, um, <laughs> thanks for making me feel old. Um, at that same time in 2007, a man by the name of A.J. Jacobs was in the United States. He's a New Yorker. And he went a whole year, what he called living biblically. He wrote a book on it called The Year I Lived Biblically. Um, and so he went the whole, like, started in Genesis for a whole month of the first year. He just read the Bible, just from front cover to back cover. He just read the whole thing. He noted down every commandment, law, instruction, um, everything. He noted it down, okay? And, and then he proceeded for the rest of the year to live as biblically and as literally as, the, as we have it in the Bible. You can imagine that this got pretty funny at some points. Like, he stopped trimming his beard, because that's what Leviticus says, okay? So he's like, and not just like clean-cut, you know, lumberjack, hipster vibes, like, you know, like, it's, it's just everywhere, all right? He, he started wearing single, uh, not unmixed fabrics, you know, like, so it's just like pure cotton or pure linen, or like, he's not, he doesn't mix, there's no mixing in the Bible, that's, you know, he, he started um, not shaking hands with women, because he didn't know if it was that time of the month or not, and if it was, they could be unclean, and therefore, he, if he touches them, then he becomes unclean, and it gets messy. Um, so he just stopped shaking hands. With, he, he started stoning adulterers. I'm just telling you the story. He'd throw pebbles at people, and, <laughs> and, and, and tried to go unnoticed, obviously. And, and, the, and the story records that he'd just throw them at anyone, and so... By matter of fact, he just believed that all New Yorkers were just adulterers. <laughs> so, but as, as funny as this is, and as much of a gimmick as it is, it's, it's true, this actually happened, but it's, it's definitely a gimmick. It also raises some serious questions about what it means to live by the Bible. Yeah. Like, does growing a beard, like, he learned to play the harp. <laughs> like, that's actually just cool. Like, <laughs> like my, my guy's just like, up here on the band gone. You know, like, like but, but does growing a beard and playing the harp, does that, is that what it means to live biblically? Because if so, I've got a long way to go. More importantly, how should we think about the Bible? Does Scripture have the authority to tell us how to live? Or is the Bible just a bunch of archaic rules and old school ancient rituals that actually mean nothing to the postmodern modern society that we live in today. Have you ever thought about what it actually means to be a Christian? Like, we ascribe to this belief, right? This is our City Point statement of faith, the Bible, how we know God. We believe that human beings not only have, uh, do not have to guess or speculate about who God is or what he is like. While the Bible for us is not primarily about us. Instead, the Bible is God's word to humanity about himself, revealing his will, nature, character, being, and his saving work in the world. 
The 66 books in the Old Testament and New Testament comprise the totality of Scripture and are penned without error by human authors under the supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit, serving as our highest written authority in this world. We believe that all of Scripture ultimately points to and climaxes in Jesus, who is the Word become flesh. We are called to enjoy, study, and submit to the Word of God. That's what we believe. Have you ever considered that for a moment? Have you ever stopped to think that if it's written in here, this takes precedent and authority in your life? And, and then the question does is like, can we trust that? Is, is that okay with you? The issue with the way A.J. Jacobs approached the Bible is that although he submitted his life to it for an entire year, which is probably better than most of us sometimes, let's be honest, is that he didn't encounter the person communicating through the word. This was just a book that he, he ultimately just obeyed. And, and don't we love rule books? Like as humans, we just love it if someone would just give us a checklist. Pastor Carolina says this all the time. If, if we could just have like the lowest common denominator, the, the, the surefire check, 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 and then I'm all good, we would bite that up and chew that up. We love that. Give us a word of God that's a narrative and just actually kind of just tells us about who God is and kind of gives us some very clear boundaries but also leaves it really vague at times. And we're a little bit more like, uh, uh, how do I, I mean, like I know I don't murder someone but like is punching in the face okay? Like I know it says don't sleep with somebody else's wife but am I allowed to masturbate? Like, I know it doesn't say anything specifically about, like, the word abortion doesn't ever actually appear in Scripture, but, like, like where's the, how do I, there's so much gray. But if we know the nature of the person who's actually communicating with us, if we know the, the God who's actually trying to reveal his heart and his nature and his character to us, then it actually becomes a far different way that we, that we approach the Bible because we're no longer looking for the lowest common denominator. We're no longer looking for the checklist of things that I get to just tick off to make sure I'm uh, ceremonially clean and ready for church on Sunday, but rather that when I work, walk into my workplace on Monday, I carry the light of the world with me. I carry the grace that saved me into the same space that now needs that grace. And if I trust this, I trust it on the basis that I know the author, not that I believe the message. I just happen to believe the author and then the message corresponds with who he is and it's something that I can stake my life on because I know the, the author. Yeah. I know the one who wrote the Bible. I know the one who speaks. The Bible presents itself as living communication from a personal God to the human race, to, to you. It's not just like generalized, like, oh, hey, all of humanity. No, it's, it's personal. It's, hey, Brittany. It's, hey, Sam. Hey, Nick. Hey, Caleb. Hey, person online. I just went one, two, three, four, and we made our way to the camera. Savannah, Nathan, Tyvo. I could go through and name as many of you that I know your names of, but the point is it's personal. It's for you, and it's God speaking to you, saying, hey, this is who I am. These are my ways. This is what I've I'm doing in the world today. This is what I've done in the world in the past. This is the revelation. This is the progression. And this is where we are right now. And this is how you can play your part. Also, I've given you some gifts. 
given you some talents, I've called you the apple of my eye, I've given you identity, dominion, purpose, um, all that's in there, and, and that's great. This is the Logos Word of God. This is the written Word of God. And we're dealing with the elephant in the room of can we trust it, and it's so pivotal that we get this right. It's so pivotal because this is the doctrine, right? This is the doctrine of Scripture that I'm really unpacking for you in very quick, simple terms. If we get this right, it's so important because this doctrine touches all the other doctrines. We don't know about the doctrine of God or the doctrine of salvation or the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. We don't know about any of those things except for what the Bible teaches about it. We have no other source. We trust this word. We trust this Bible. We stake our lives on it. It's what our faith's built on. We believe that Jesus rose again from the dead. We believe, not because like it was a fuzzy feeling that I got one time in a worship service, although that's valid and I'll get to that in a moment, but rather that because of the written eyewitness account given in the Word of God that has over thousands of years remained true, infallible, without error, and has come through history, like you, you would not believe the amount of times that the world has tried to uh, silence, get rid of, annihilate, destroy the Word of God, and yet still, some 2,000 years on, we have it in almost the exact same form that it was written. Yeah. By like, like, the studies would show it's like 99.99% of what, is, what was originally written is the same of what we have here. The only difference is minor adjustments in like grammar and the adjustment of ch- uh, swapping like wording out from like an ancient language to the modern English language that we have today. But it's 99.9% accurate. It's still the word of God. It's still 100% what God intended for us to know and have before us. It's still what we can stack our life. You could take this to the bank and you could put a bullet in my head and like I would still believe this. Like gun to the head, do you believe the word of God? Yes, pull the trigger. That's how much we believe this. That's how much we stack our Because ultimately if we don't, we're just like, well the Bible says we're worse than unbelievers and like we should be pitied above all else. Like, if we don't take this seriously, if we don't take the resurrection of Jesus Christ seriously as verbatim for our lives, then we should just be like, like, you should, like, the world should look at us and go, oh, those poor crazy people. <laughs> oh, look at those little Christians go. <laughs> but instead, we should be able to walk out there and go, no, he's real. And it's written. And so we stake our lives on it. Isaiah, um, I, I think, before I get to that scripture, I, I think particularly as Pentecostals, we, we need to like, just pause for a moment, okay? Because we value experience. Like we value coming up the front, hands raised, someone pray for us, spirit of God moving. Like if you were here this morning, God was doing something. If you were here tonight in praise and worship, the spirit of God was at work. He was already, he doesn't need me to get up and start preaching before he says, oh, it's my time. No, he's already here doing his thing. And as Pentecostals, we love that. I was raised Pentecostal. I was raised spirit of God moving. Like it's normal for me to see people like drunk in the spirit. It's normal for me to see like the altar full of bodies because someone prayed and like, you know, like this got laid out. That's normal for me. I'm like not even blinking eyelid. I'm like, I grew up under the pews, like people falling down left, right, and center. I'm like, oh, it's another day in church. <laughs> you know, like, and yet some people walk in, and I've seen this. This is, this is probably one of my favorite things. Non-Christians walk in sometime, and, and if you're here as a visitor, a non-Christian, please just follow with me for a moment. I'll bring it back. Um, but like, 
Like, people fall out and they walk out. They're like, oh, no, this ain't for me. <laughs> like, so we love experience, but we always bring our experience back to the Word of God. We always bring our experience. Uh, the reason why we can say it's normal for someone to fall under the power of God is because in Chronicles, that's what happened. God so filled the temple that the priests couldn't even stand up on their feet. What we see in Scripture is what we see demonstrated in our lives through experience. And so we need to bring our experience back to the Word of God. But we don't throw out the baby with the bathwater and just go, oh, I need, I just, you know, it's only the Word of God and no experience. No, you know what the Bible says? You can have both. You can have the experience of encountering a living God through His living Word, and you can bring the Word of God with you and base your life on it. And this is the difference between what a Logos word is, where we just read the Bible and go, I, I know this, you know, I, I've read what it says, and getting what is called a Rima word of God, which is a now word, an instantaneous word, a for you right now in this moment word, for what you're walking through right now word. I remember being um, in probably one of the darkest points in my life so far, sitting in traffic, questioning, God, where are you in the middle of this situation? This is nothing like where I thought I'd be. This is, I just, you know, it was like, like I'd go home after work and I'd do my best to be present with my family, which at the time was just Benaiah and Sarah. And I'd, I'd just sit on the edge of my bed, just blank with emotion, just so, like, just so numb going, God, where are you? I know what your word says. I, 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 know what it, I know what it promises, but this is, my experience is like polar opposites right now. God, where are you? I remember sitting in traffic one time, middle of peak hour traffic, because now I work in the, and I do normal hours and it's like just stupid. <laughs> like I'm sitting in peak hour traffic, bumper to bumper. I'd just gotten off the highway and I'm just like it's just I'm just like frustrated with God and the Rima word of God came to me through scripture through the Logos word he, he brought it back to mind he brought it he bubbled it up from the inside of what I had stored on the inside of me through memorization and knowing the word of God and, and just spending time with it he brought it back up and he says hey I've made a way for people before and I'll make a way for you he's like think about the Israelites in, in the Red Sea there's literally an ocean before them and I can split it and they can walk through on dry land. If I can do that for them, I can make a way for you. That was the Rima word of God. And I took hold of that. Okay, God, you can make a way. And as if to confirm what he was speaking to me, middle of peak hour traffic, I, I kid you not, every car in front of me in the middle lane split left and right for about 70 meters. An untold miracle in Brisbane just took place. And I, and I drove through like the man of God. I'm a, I mean, hallelujah, like bodies were just, full. no, I'm joking, it was like, but legit, the, the every, every, for about 70 meters, and I just drove through, and God goes, I, if I can do it in peak hour traffic, I can do it in your situation. You know, last week, um, Remnant Room, I'm praying down here, just expecting, just open, ready to receive. Pastor Ann was prophesying, you know, if you, if you want to receive something, you want to receive something, you've got to have ears to hear, you got to, you know, and I'm just, I'm just, okay, God, and God goes, you're now living in the fulfillment of that promise of the Rima word. You are now, I have made a way for you. 
where I stand right now, what I'm doing with my family right now, where I'm at in ministry right now, what I'm thinking about and where I'm at. God has brought me full circle back around and given over and above because He's a generous God like that. Because of a Rima word, because of a now word, a present moment word for me. I think about Pastor Sam and what he's walked through. He talks about the fact that and I don't want to take any future message that he'll be speaking about, but he talks about the fact that he got a rhema word. Not just knowing that God's a healer because the Bible tells us that by his stripes we are healed, but rather that God spoke to him in his own time and said, I've got you. You'll get through this. And that's what Sam holds on to because not only is it biblical, but it's personal because he's a personal God. So tonight I want to take a moment Listen, if God said it, He will fulfill it. He promises that if His word goes forth, it will achieve exactly what He sent it out to achieve. We can stake our lives. We can trust the word of God. That when preaching comes here on any given Sunday throughout the year, you can trust that if we're unpacking the Bible, if, and we do every week, you're not just listening for the, what the Bible says. You're listening for what God wants to speak to you. What does God want to say to you tonight? Because get this, one word from God can change everything. Jesus said to Peter on the boat, he said, come. He's the only man to ever walk on water. God said in the beginning, let there be light, four words. And all of existence started unfolding itself at his command. You know what? The word of God, the Rima and the Logos word of God still has the creative power to bring something out of nothing. And he can do it in your life. I have staked my life on the fact that what is written in here is real. Not because it's merely written there, but because I've experienced it as well. The Spirit has brought life. Like that scripture in John says, that, that it's, His Word is Spirit and life. It's come alive in me. And we as believers, we need to take this Word and we need to devour it and we need to own it and we need to know it. Not because we need to memorize it for the sake of having more that we can regurgitate, but rather so that God can bring to bring to things into our hearts and into our minds and we can speak into situations and circumstances. I remember being uh, in, a, in, in a, a workplace with, again, non-Christians and, and, and the, the topic of this discussion was what was taking place in Syria and the Middle East a couple of years back and there was chemical warfare accusations and, and there was pictures all over the news of these kids who were getting caught in the middle and, and, and these these women in this workplace were just distraught and upset and, and just not understanding how things like this can happen in the world. And that almost unanimously, all of them turned to me and says, Dan, what do you think? You're a Christian. Why is there suffering in the world? Talk about an elephant in the room type of question. Well, let's sit down and do a 10-hour theological study about it. You don't have time for that. You've got to speak about what's, what's God got. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you about sin. Let me tell you about how God so loved people that he gave them the option not to choose him because this thing called free will, because he wanted, to be, he wanted to be in relationship with us so much that he wanted it to be this mutual choice that we could make. And so he had to give us the ability not to choose him. And so people had made that choice over and over again. And the cumulative effect in humanity is that now people want more power, more money, more resources than ever before, and they're willing to do whatever it takes. That was the synopsis of the simple answer I gave and they all sat there and going, yeah, that makes sense. And I, I drive home talking to God going, come on God, you know, I think I just, you know, that was the best answer I've ever done in my life. 
And God's like, you did it, buddy. <laughs> and then he slapped me up the back of the head and he says, now imagine if there was 10 other people having that conversation in the workplace. Imagine if there was 100 other Dan Myhills who had the confidence to say that and speak like that. And I go, God, what do I do? And he goes, you train people like this. And I've got another ream of word. Dan, train leaders. Dan, train people for the work of the ministry. Dan, your time in ministry is not done yet. You, you're going to go back into ministry and you're going to train people. And then a couple, of, maybe not even a year later, Pastor Sam and Carolina call me into their office and say, hey, we're thinking about doing this internship. Would you like? Thank you, Amy. You get it. Shame on you all, you other interns who haven't wooed. And they're sitting there like, How do you, would you like to be involved? I'm like, would I like to be involved? Let me think about it and pray about it. I think I'll, um, I'll talk to my wife. And, and I'm like, yes, I've already got the word. I already know. Yes, it's only one day a week. Doesn't matter. God will figure it out. And, and here we are now. Really? It's my daughter. Come on, tonight you need a word from God. You want breakthrough in your life? You're believing for that miracle that you've been holding on to? You're believing for the salvation of that person? Don't, don't just take it as all that. I know that's what God wants to do because I've read it in the Bible. Now get a word from God. Come before him and say, God, what, you, what is your will for this situation in my life? What is your will for me walking into my workplace tomorrow morning? What is your will for me finishing out 2021? What is your will for how I should respond to things in the middle of COVID, in the middle of vaccinations, in the middle of our government, in the middle? What, what's your now word, God? What's your present moment, instant verbal communication to me that is confirmed by and doesn't contradict your written word, God?